Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Azvan, here with my friend, Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Yuma daf, Samech Tet, page 69. Well, this was the page that I was looking forward to getting to for most of the Masachet. Just as a reminder, please sign up for a CM if you have not yet. Um, we'd love to hear from some of our co-learners uh, to hear some of their reflections and thoughts of this Masachet. You can find this registration sheet on our Facebook page and our WhatsApp group or email me and Anne individually. Um, but let's get straight to it because this is a nice, good, long story. So the Gemara is here in the middle of a discussion about whether or not uh, the big day kahuna, the clothing that the Kohanim wore, can be used sort of for their own personal use or if they could also be worn outside of the Beit HaMikdash. And in their discussion of this, they bring the following brisa because this brisa is an example for the Kohen Gadol Shimon Hatzadik, who we've talked about, who is basically the most longest, was the longest serving uh, Kohen Gadzel of Bayi He served for 40 years, which we saw previously in Masachat Yuma. He's also considered to be part of the end of Anche Knesset Agdola, according to Perkei Avot chapter one, uh, uh, Mishnah two. Um, and, um, and we have a very interesting story here. And one of these are the types of stories where we'll talk a little bit about where mm-hmm. It's not clear that historically this is what really happened, but the Gemara is trying to teach us something about history in the way that they actually prepare this. And this is a very famous story where Shimon Atzadik meets Alexander the Great. Now, why do we not think that this actually happened? Because they didn't really live at the same time as each other. So Shimon Atzadik, we think, lived around, you know, uh, three, if it's, we know there were two Shimon Atzadiks, but lived around, either the first one lived around 310 to 290 or 273 BCE. Um, The other one we talk about is like 219 to 199. And Alexander the Great lived probably earlier, like around 356 to 323. So it's possible that maybe there was a tiny bit of overlap between Alexander the Great and the first Shimon Atzadik, which is who most people believe who Shimon Atzadik is when we talk about him. But it's not clear that they really lived exactly at the same time. So that's, you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind uh, when you read the story. So let's start with this first sentence. Uh, Wait, wait, I just want to say, but then the question is always going to be, you know, why is there a story told about these two personalities if they didn't actually meet? Yes. And I just want to note that. There, this whole account actually appears in Josephus, right? Josephus is the first century historian. And for the most part, I think he's treated as authoritative, although sometimes biased. But the account there is a story of a meeting of Alexander the Great and the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol cited by Josephus, as far as I know, does not name him. So so the question of why Shimon Tzadik is put together with Alexander the Great is a good question. you know. But the fact that there does seem to have been an actual meeting um, and that you know there is some kind of uh, connection here between the Kohen Gadol and Alexander the Great and the fact that there was, you know, at that time there was a war between the Persians and Alexander and to what extent the Kohen Gadol served as a beacon for him, meaning I don't know how much of this is um, Chazalic drama, let's say, and how much of it really is the historical account. And even with the historical account, how historical is it really? But certainly there does seem to be, you know, an actual meeting that took place that made its way into our traditions in the Gemara because it really happened, at least in some form, because again, otherwise Josephus would not have it. I think what we need to focus on is what is the personality of Shimonat Sadek represent? What is the personality of Alexander the Great represent? 
And why did they need to have this encounter? And what are the details of the encounter? So using that framing, let's start this brisa. Now, this is a brisa that comes from Megillat Ta'anit, which was a collection of Ta'anitic writings that explains us days that we do not fast. Um, and this is the context of this brisa is a day that ended up being a joyful day that we don't fast. Bahatanya. So we learned in a brisa. Be'estrim b'chamisha b'tevet yom har grizim hu delo l'mispad. So the 25th of Tevet is known as the day of Mount Grizim, which was established basically as a happy day, and there's no eulogizing on it. Why? Yom Shepikshu Kutim at Beit Elokeinu. So it was the day that the Samaritans, the Kutim. So remember, these were people who sort of were, you know, maybe converted in some way, but they were not really considered to be fully Jewish. And what did they want to do? They wanted, uh, they requested that our house, right? They requested it, me, Alexandrius, right from Alexander, Mukdim Leherchivo, that Alexander the Macedonian should destroy it, but not Nulahem, and he gave them the Beit HaMikdash, right? So they came and they told Shimon HaTzadik. Now remember, Shimon HaTzadik is the Kohen Gadol. Ma'asa, what did he do, right? So this is the piece that's important to the discussion on the Daf. He wore the Big Day Kahuna, Venita tape of Big Day Kahuna, and he wrapped himself in it, and he took the nobles of the Jewish people with him. And they had torches in their hands, right? Um, and all night, okay? And so they have all that night. These people, these representatives of the Jewish people went from this side to that side between the armies of Alexander and the armies of the Kutim. So sort of all of the, it's not an army that he collected, Shimon Atzadik. He puts on his the, the priestly clothing. He gathers all the nobles. They light these torches. Remember, and you can see the Kutim and Alexander's armies are sort of encamped to take over. They're poised to take over the Beit HaMikdash. And all night they're seeing these uh, torches going back and forth. When night came, Amar Lahem, Alexander says to the Samaritans, me who are these people who come to meet us? Amrilo Yehudim Shemar Dubach. These are the Jews who rebelled against you. So this is sort of interesting. But it gets to Antipatras a little bit where Antipatras is, because it's actually not so close to Jerusalem. Well, right. So Antipatris, again, because I've got my handy-dandy Koran Gemara here, which has these notes, and even a picture of a place of Antipatris. It's a city that apparently was founded by Herod, but it was founded on the grounds of an older city, right, or an older town, I guess. And he names it after his father. And its a location is near the springs of Rosh Ha'ayin, which is a crossroads to Yerushalayim, to Jerusalem, to Caesarea, that's Caesarea, and to Yafo, which nowadays is Tel Aviv, meaning if you want to talk about a central location, um, a junction, right, where you can either travel now to Jerusalem or to the coast, let's say, to the major coast, this is a good, this is really a, a crossroads. Right, it's a crossroads. And so what I can't figure out with the story, one of my questions about the story is, is that were they in Antipatris the whole time but they could see these lights or were they seeing, I think it's that they were sort of marching and they saw the torches coming closer and closer, but they obviously had to travel all night. Whereas when you first read the story, it almost looks like they're all around Yerushalayim. So again, just 
to give context to the story. So basically he's told Alexander that these are the Jews who want to rebel against them. And finally, they sort of, the two camps meet each other. When Alexander sees Shimon HaTzadik, he gets down from his chariot and he bows in front of him. Now think about this. This is Alexander the Great, who the Gemara is recording as bowing down or showing submission to Shimon HaTzadik. Amar lo, right? And so they said to him, so they said to him, such a great king is going to bow to this Jew. Amar lahem demuti diuk no shelzeh so he says, the image of this man's face, the image of Shimon Atzadik is always before me when I'm victorious on the battlefield. Like, in other words, he sees this face and it's a sign that he will be victorious. We'll go back and unpack this in a minute. Amar Lahem. So then he says to the Jewish people, Lama Batem, why did you come? Amru, they said to him, Avshar is it possible that the house that we pray in for you and for your kingdom? In other words, they say, we daven for you. Maybe you wouldn't destroy it. Right? Basically, non-Jews are going to try to convince you that you should destroy it. Amar Laham, he says to them, They said back to him, It's the Kutim. So this should remind you a little bit of the exchange between Ahasuerus, Haman, and Esther. They're with you. So he says, fine, they're delivered to you. So immediately they stabbed the Samaritans in the heels and hung them from their horse's tail. And they dragged them over thorns and thistles until they got to Hargrizim. Now, I think there's something here about how I'm going to make another connection here sort of how dramatic it is of how they're dragged and sort of tortured in a way feels very similar to me to what happens to the Azazel. When they got to the house, to the to the Hargrizim, they plowed over it, and they seeded the area with leeks. To what they wanted to do to the house of our Lord. And that day they made into a Yom Tov. Very, very interesting story. So I think really what's going on with this story is, is that in a way, this is sort of the cusp of, this is the beginning of sort of the Jewish encounter with Hellenism. And what this is essentially is describing is, is that ultimately what? That Judaism is going to prevail against Hellenism, right? That's the idea of why Alexander the Great sort of bows before Shimon HaTzadik. And also the fact that Shimon HaTzadik, we know when he was the Kohen Gadol, and is sort of the conduit between God and the people and is the manifestation of God on this earth. And miracles ended when he died. So there's sort of something Nevoah-ish, right? Prophetic about him in this world. I think what it's also saying that when Alexander the Great always sees the image of Shimon Atzadik before he is victorious, this is the Gemara also acknowledging that this victory, the conquering that Alexander the Great did, right? is part of what was supposed to happen. All of this was the plan of Hashem. All of this is what was supposed to happen in this actual world itself. So I, I essentially think that this is really a story about the Jewish beginning of the Jewish encounter with Hellenism, right? And how, and this also gives a strategy about how to deal with 
you know, rulers over us. And notice that what the strategy is, is to say, we're on your team, right? Shimon Atzadik says to him, we're praying for you. We don't want to rebel against you. We're also invested to make sure that you do well. And then the story sort of resolves itself very similarly to the way that we see with Ahasuerus and Haman and Esther, right? Where he's sort of the king sort of stands there. He's like, who could possibly want to destroy you? And it's like, well, it's the person right in front of your face. It's the person who you've given power to who actually is the ones who want to destroy us. Um, I just want to say I had a book of Hanukkah on Hanukkah when I was a little kid. A little kid, like eight, nine, ten, I don't know, maybe nine. And before the Hanukkah story, you know, before the rendition of the Hanukkah, that was the bulk of the book. But there were a couple of pages at the beginning that told this story, meaning it was pretty much exactly this without the the Gemara-esque, you know, back and forth of the way the, the sentences are phrased. But the story was there in full. And I feel like that, you say it's the beginning of Hellenism. I feel like they put the two in this in this children's book, right? Because there it is, right? This is the beginning. And then, of course, Hanukkah, the story is essentially the end, right? What happens later? And, and there's plenty of years in between here. Um, but I think that this, I think this image of the meeting and the image of um, Shimon Sadik's face or whichever, you know, Kohen Gadol it was that met with, that met with um, Alexander the Great, the idea that he is, that there's a Jewish face, you know, the Jewish Kohen Gadol as his beacon in war is very powerful, you know, in terms of the, the, I don't know, the implications of it and the resonance of it. It's, it does not surprise me that this is a, a, a dramatic story that makes its way into children's book and also that this is here on our daf when we're talking about Yom Kippur. Obviously, we're talking about a Kohen Gadol and obviously it's relevant to the question of whether the, the Big Day Kahuna could leave the Beit HaMikdash. But also, this is like high drama in a judgment kind of time. Right, exactly. And, and again, I think this is supposed to sort of be the starting point of you know, Jews and Hellenism and what was that really supposed to be like and that ultimately Hellenism will succumb to Judaism. Um, you know, the Gemara goes on to give a reason, you know, why Shimon Atzadik did this, right? Because he was basically, he was allowed to violate halacha, you know, eight la Hashem, hey, frio Torah, using this pasuk in Tehillim um, in chapter Kofutet, chapter 119, that, you know, this was a time to act for the Lord. It was an emergency, sort of, we can't learn anything from it. But I really just wanted to focus, on, wanted the to focus on the story itself. So I just want, I want to jump to Ahmed Bet, actually. Um, on Ahmed Bet, we have, it's really a by the way kind of thing. There's a, the Gemara in its discussion cites a verse from Nehemiah. And then it says, oh, by the way, while we're talking about Nehemiah, we have another verse from Nehemiah that we should talk about as well. And that's the one that I want to look into a little bit. It says, So this is a, you know, an, an interesting verse that needs its own unpacking. Right? The idea that Ezra blessed Hashem, Hashem the great, the great God. And of course, then the question is, what could that possibly mean? Right? What does it mean to God the great one, as opposed to what, all the not great gods? Like it just is a... So the question is, what exactly is this greatness? Amar of Yosef, Amar Rav, Shekidlo b'shem ha'maforash. So Rav Yosef says, the Rav said, that he ascribes greatness to Hashem when he uses, or, you know, specifically enunciates the Shem ha'maforash, that name of God that we do not enunciate. And that in doing so, it gives God that much more greatness, or, or acknowledges God's greatness. Rav Gidal Amar Baruch Hashem Yisrael Min Ha'olam Va'ar Olam. And that Rav Gidal says that he... Um, 
that by saying, at, well, Rav Gidl really wants everybody to say at the end of every bracha, Baruch Hashem Elokei Yisrael Min HaOlam Olam to, to establish just how great God is. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from Olam Vat Olam, eternity to eternity. I've seen it translated as everlasting to everlasting. That might be a more old-fashioned translation, right? But the idea being that this is just how great God is. So then the, the Gemara, you know, sidesteps from all of this, but it comes back to it towards the very end of Amud Bet. But Marava Matnuhachi, namely that in the West, in the West, that's Eretz Israel, they learn this, and we get the we get Rav Gidal again, but he takes a different position according to this version of the account. Rav Gidal Amar Gadol Shigidlu B'Shem Mafurash. This is the position that we saw in the name of Rav Yosef Amarav, and then Rav Matna or Matana Amar Hakel Hagadol Hagibur Vanora. This is yet a third way of demonstrating God's greatness, specifically um, the it's yet another verse from the Chemia, you know. Um, the next parak, actually, um, in Nehemiah, where it says, God, who is the great, the mighty, and awesome God. Okay, so all of this is just kind of a, a way to speak of just how great my, God might be. And I say it's brought here as completely a tangent. And it strikes me that there's this whole recognition of God's greatness, right, seems to fit in with the rest of this well, first of all, the story, Yardena, that you have just gone through, and also um, the very essence of Yom Kippur um, in terms of, well, first of all, the Shema Miforash, right? Because that is what the Kohen Gadol would say on Yom Kippur and only on Yom Kippur, so it's not quite as misplaced as all that. And then also just in the context of um, being able to say that this is the day where I guess we relate to God in his most awesome. Um, it does seem to be a sidestep, I would say, but it was just also kind of a, a beautiful articulation of a question in in Nehemiah, meaning why would we ever say the great God, because we already know God is great and how and as compared to whom or what. And then, indeed, we have a recognition of exactly where and how God is made greater by our acknowledgement of him as such. Okay, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Come sign up for our Siyum of Masach Yoma and come tell us what you want to talk about. Uh, and until tomorrow, go and learn.